0: You're listening to Plead the Fifth with your host, Professor Leo Yu. Plead the Fifth is a platform for attorneys to talk about the Fifth Circuit and its jurisprudence. Now here's your host, Professor Leo
1: Yu.
2: Welcome to my podcast. Let's talk about the Fifth Circuit. So the Fifth Circuit is absolutely on fire. And that is not a surprise to anybody. And the fight now is not just between liberals and conservatives. Seems like even conservatives are fighting. Uh, today, the focus uh, for the drama of the Fifth Circuit of this episode is actually a classic one. That is a drama between liberal and conservative. The case we're going to talk about is actually um, a case that we talked about so many times. Case, the Jackson case, the abortion case uh, has so many things going on. I think the latest update for that case is the case was remanded by the Supreme Court Uh, The Supreme Court position is, at least that is the majority people's idea, is that uh, almost all the claims were barred by the sovereign immunity theory, with the exception of those uh, health officers uh, that have the authority to grant certification to medical agencies and doctors. For claims against those people, those claims can survive 12 b six. Back to the Fifth Circuit remanded by the Supreme Court, instead of just do exactly what the Supreme Court told them to do, the Fifth Circuit created a a new thing. What the Fifth Circuit did was to, uh, to grant a certification to the Texas Supreme Court, ask the Texas Supreme Court to tell the Fifth Circuit what the state law really means or more specifically, whether those uh, health agencies, state health agency, has the enforcement power under SB8. So, Brian, what can you tell us about this, a lot of procedural back and forth?
3: Well, I mean, you, you sort of basically hit the nail on the head. You outlined it pretty well. It, you know, as you noted, uh, the Fifth Circuit certified a question to the Texas Supreme Court. Uh, Basically, they wanted to know whether uh, Texas law would authorize any of these specific state agencies um, directly or indirectly to take disciplinary action or other adverse action against uh, essentially these uh, providers, right? Um, And so that was the question before the Texas Supreme Court. They basically answered no, And said, none of these individuals can uh, bring uh, disciplinary actions or other adverse actions against these providers for any kind of violation of SBA. Um, So, on some level, that basically insulates all these providers. They can't lose their medical licenses or other things, Um, but it also provides uh, the Fifth Circuit. and the state of Texas for a way of just sort of saying nope, all this stuff goes away. The providers did sue uh, a private individual, uh, and so that I think is still around. Um, you know, you know how that's going to play out. It's it's still unclear. But the problem for the providers is they don't get to tee up their constitutional claims uh, in this. Federal litigation, because basically between the Supreme Court, the Fifth Circuit and the Texas Supreme Court, all of the defendants, with the possible exception of this uh, private citizen, have essentially been knocked out.
2: Yeah. And also this. This new method created by the Fifth Circuit, which is to, you know, you know, which after they get a remand from the Supreme Court, instead of just do exactly what the remand asked them to do, they certify a question to a state <laughs> court. This is something new, new. And actually, I don't think that this happened ever in the history of federal courts and which, you uh, When you think about this sort of dynamic, this sort of new method creates create a lot of questions on jurisdictions between federal court and the state court, essentially the question is when when the federal court of appeals got a remand from the Supreme Court, what kind of room do they have? What, What they can do? Can... Are they just really supposed to be listened and do exactly what's being told by the Supreme Court, or they can do something really creative and to almost bypass what the Supreme Court really want them to do? So this question ignited a lot of debate both on paper and in oral argument. And I want to place several part of the oral argument and it's for you to sort of have a taste. Uh, Mr. Um...
0: Johnson. I mean, I've been on the court for 10 years, and I've only requested certification less than half a dozen times. So this case has prodded me to explore. Um, it's a somewhat recent device. The Supreme Court approved of it in 1974, the Lehman Brothers. Um, but in that case, Chief Justice Rehnquist's concurrence, as well as our court, Wright and Miller, all courts, do you agree, say courts should decline to certify when the request is made too late? And I'll tell you my specific difficulty and then ask you a question. Here, the defendants never asked any federal court to abstain or request request certification. Instead, what was said is the opposite. The defendants told the Supreme Court this law is unambiguous. The defendants lost that. And now on remand to a court that has to implement their law of the case, you're asking us, as I see it, and quote, the First Circuit, to get a second bite. So my question is, do you know of any circuit that has ever certified a state law question where there was, as you say, an eerie guess made by the Supreme Court? Do you know of any circuit that has certified after the Supreme Court?
4: Your Honor, I don't have an answer to that. I'm not aware of that question, but I also haven't looked into it. Uh... But but
0: think about that. So... so You can't think of a case where the Supreme Court has actually ruled on a state law question, and then on remand, the circuit court, instead of implementing that eerie guess, however respectful, whatever language of comedy, the circuit court that has to implement it instead decides to certify at the request of the party that lost the argument. You have no authority to do that.
4: Uh, No, Your Honor, I do not have an example of that. Um, uh, It makes sense, though, uh, for certification here, Uh, The Supreme Court was very clear that its reading of Texas law was tentative and not authoritative.
0: Well, you're, they don't, not a single justice, even Justice Thomas used the word tentative. That's your word. In other words, eight to one doesn't sound too tentative. And, And here's the language, you know it. This is the explicit holding, quote, eight justices hold this case may proceed against Mr. Carlton, Ms. Thomas, Ms. Benz, Ms. Young, your client's. What's tentative about that?
4: Oh, Your Honor, the the court's holding on sovereign immunity is not tentative. But the court's reading of Texas law is. The court repeatedly stressed that the meaning of the Texas law here, SB 8, Section 3, is not conclusively established. Uh, The plurality opinion uses the text. It appears. that's, That's
0: basic law. Of course the Supreme Court knows Every justice, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Thomas, they both said it. Texas does get the last word, but that's in a parallel or future case. Can you think of any case where in the very case they went ahead and gave an answer, somehow it Texas, we, as a circuit court, in the same case, I mean, this is the same case.
4: Your Honor. That's what makes it so unusual that the court stressed repeatedly that its reading of Texas law was uncertain. Of course, everyone knows under Erie, the Texas Supreme Court's reading controls. Justice Gorsuch quoted Pullman for that very language. No matter how seasoned the the judgment of a federal court, it can only be a guess. And Your Honor, that's why it's so remarkable in our view, that the Supreme Court emphasized repeatedly that it's reading was- If accepted. you prevail- Did
1: the court have the option? Did the court believe it had the option or was it requested to remand directly to the district court?
4: Yes, Judge Jones.
1: The- and didn't didn't the state at that time say, please don't do that because only the Fifth Circuit can certify?
4: Yes, Your Honor. Uh, our response brief did let the court know that this was our intent, and so it certainly can't be said that it's a support. At this point, what
2: you heard was uh, Justice Higginson and Justice Jones. Uh, Higginson was um, is an Obama appointee. Uh, Jones, H. Bush um, appointee, and which uh, she has been constantly rated as the most. A uh, conservative justice on the bench of the Fifth Circuit, perhaps the most conservative in the country. Uh, so that's a, a little bit of background of them. Uh, so, what do you think about the argument pre- presented or the question concerns presented by Justice Higginson?
3: I, I think they're legitimate concerns. I mean, Judge Higginson is one of few Democratic appointees uh, uh, on a, what's now a very uh, conservative. As you referenced before, uh, the judges, the conservative judges, are starting to uh, attack each other because they they don't really have enough Democrats to, uh, uh, to go fight. after. Yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, I mean, he asks a, a very good question. I mean, this is really a question, I mean, we've seen this with the Fifth Circuit a lot lately. They've been, I don't want to say going rogue, but they are basically doing whatever the hell they want to do, right? And so I'm not saying it's something egregious that they certified it to the Texas Supreme Court, but I think that when the United States Supreme Court sent it back to the Fifth Circuit, they did not envision that there was going to be uh, a certification. Uh, As Judge Higginson thought, this was just sort of standard remand um and you know it should have probably you know as we saw repeatedly throughout the um argument by uh the uh, counsel Mark Heron who was uh, representing the providers he basically was imploring the court just send it back to the to the district judge of course you know that's that's the result that he would want because i think he Uh, knows that the district judge is much more amenable to his arguments and positions than anyone uh, else. I mean, on some level, uh, you have, you know, uh, this this is essentially a pyrrhic victory for the providers because they got a definitive answer, essentially, from the Texas Supreme Court. They're not on the hook. They can't be disciplined. There can't be adverse actions by all these state agencies. And so normally that would be a good thing, but at the end of the day, the SB-8 still exists. Uh, there can be these private citizen actions. Uh, and so, you know basically the chilling effect of that la- uh, law is still on the books and preventing most providers probably from providing abortions to anyone. Uh, any woman after six weeks. Um, And so uh, while they, in many ways, won uh, here, uh, they didn't really get what they wanted because I think they wanted to tee up the constitutional issues.
2: uh, Oh, absolutely. And I honestly don't think the plaintiff's plaintiff's counsel would consider what happened in the Texas Supreme Court a victory because... It's, it's really not. When it comes to civil rights right. litigation, what you want is more than far more than just you know, oh, I know that I'm not in trouble. You wanted to be, put those bad law and label them into unconstitution, pack them around and get them nullified. Right. The, the and,
3: problem though is procedurally they got they got a victory.
2: Do you think so, though? Yeah,
3: I mean, you know, they filed a lawsuit against all these state agencies saying, hey, we're concerned as providers of uh, women's health care and providers of abortion that we could have uh, all these state entities coming after us and basically seeking to take our licenses away or taking other adverse action against us. And the Texas Supreme Court said, nope, the exclusive remedy in the heartbeat bill, SB8, is for private citizen actions, the you
2: know yeah but 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 as you said because of that then at the federal court at the federal court plaintiff you challenged the constitutionality of FSBA suing officers plus one individual a private individual uh as um you know as a defendant now because of the supreme court ruling uh, the, the Texas supreme court ruling you lost all the standings for 99% of your defendants. If the only one that is actionable is a private person. And that private person, I think recently has been saying that he's going to file an affidavit saying that he's not going to sue anybody. And then at that point, the, the lawsuit is going to be gone.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it is a win, but it's essentially provided them with the relief that they sought. And that goes back to the sort of wonky nature of the statute that basically insulates state officials and puts all the onus on litigation against providers in these civil actions by private citizens.
2: Yeah. And also procedurally, this new... Whatever you call it, a device or a, a, a procedure created by the Fifth Circuit, which is not to do exactly what being told, but to certify a state law uh, question to the state Supreme Court. Um, it has procedural problems because the problem is. So what's what's going to happen next? What we're saying right now is more is, is guessing. We guess that you know that's probably what's going to happen. The court is going to say, see, you know, you don't have standing for to sue those agencies as well. Therefore, you're going to lose on b Six on that as well. But isn't this result directly contradicts with the Supreme Court's remand? Because there is a fair reading of the Supreme Court remand that those agencies have already passed all these. that's, That's
3: that's for the Supreme Court to you know clean up. And you know, unfortunately, there are six fairly conservative justices on the United States Supreme Court. And while they may not have envisioned that the Fifth Circuit was going to do what they did. Or maybe even totally love what they did. They're probably okay with the outcome, and they are not. They are not going to get involved. I mean, there's no way to get involved uh, at this point in time. And I don't see. I don't see. I mean, what would have had to have happened was, <clears throat> I think, for the providers to immediately challenge the certification back before the Supreme Court, which they didn't. Um, and uh, I don't know that they would have prevailed at the Supreme Court, uh, anyways. So, um, you know, again, we are stuck with this incredibly wonky statute that's designed to frustrate providers and their ability to sort of attack the law as unconstitutional, and and we're seeing again in a conservative state like Texas with a conservative. A uh, federal appellate court and a conservative Supreme Court. Uh, it is very difficult to get hold uh, for a basis to challenge these things.
2: Yeah, and at the oral argument, and Justice Jones, when it comes to the procedural problem, she has some really twisted ideas. And then let's hear what she said as to you know what's going to happen after the certification.
1: To Texas a guess and a guess is a guess. So if we send it to the Texas Supreme Court and the Texas Supreme Court says the disclaimer which the motions panel found pretty definitive in the statute is a specific section that controls over other general enforcement sections in the Texas Health and Safety Code then I suppose maybe we ought to certify back to the U.S. Supreme Court and respectfully ask whether they need to reconsider. I think we're then bound by the state law as the state's highest court articulates it.
4: Yes, the the state court's ruling on the meaning of state law is dispositive. Uh, I agree, Judge Jones. And the, an eerie guess is valid only so long as you need an eerie guess.
0: But so, Once, what's your position? Is it remand directly upon certification answer, or is it what you answered to Judge Duncan that we would then address other issues? Is it what Judge Jones just said, which is we would certify back Supreme Court? What What's the direction? I Didn't say that I in her sure. question. She proposed that. it, and I'm well. I can't I'm, do that. I would. That's what I was thinking, but she I seemed to joking. accept. That. Oh, you were joking. Okay. She
1: wasn't accept. She. Okay. Okay.
0: I didn't understand the joke. I'm poor with humor. But let me I guess. But the the eerie guess point is where I'm stalling out, because let's imagine to, to, to put aside my concern in this case, which is my oath to implement the law of the case, not to second guess the Supreme Court, not to use dicta to disparage what I think is a holding. So, but put aside my oath and the circumstance, I think I'm in. Let's imagine Texas is like the dozen highest state courts that do accept certification from district courts. So imagine that we as a panel made an eerie guess. We said, this is the answer to state law. And we remanded to a district court in one of those states. Your position is the district courts could say, well, circuit court, we see you made an eerie guess, but." I don't think I agree. I think it's an open question. You were tentative. And the district court could then certify the question we had answered?
4: If the state had a procedure for that, yes, Your Honor.
0: Okay. do you know of any case in the dozen, this isn't a joke question, have you ever seen a district court anywhere in the country? Because dozens of highest courts allow that. Where the district court gets an eerie guess back, that's their mandate, but instead, the party that lost in the circuit court can ask the district court, can you think of a case?
4: I'm not aware of such a case. How
0: does that I'm... harmonize with the law of the case? How can that possibly fulfill our oath?
4: Your Honor, the district court in your hypothetical would need to proceed past the motion to dismiss stage. It would again be confronted with questions of law, summary judgment, preliminary injunction, final judgment, and it would then need to decide questions on the evidence, and so Hypothetically, it could be appropriate for certification to the state Supreme Court.
2: See, that's the exchange about this procedural issue is to, okay, if we grant certification, which they did, and you got the the certification from the state court, and then what are you going to do next? Are you going to remand this case back to lower federal district court and tell them? to, you know, do whatever you need to do pursuing to the definition, the final definition of state law from Texas Supreme Court, or are you going to just rule on your own? Or as Justice Jones initially said, oh, maybe certify to the Supreme Court, ask them, so maybe you should reconsider what you said before. She literally said, oh, that was just a joke. You know, obviously they couldn't do that. So at this point, what do you think is going to happen next?
3: I mean, you know, it was just Friday that the Texas Supreme Court ruled it's going to go back to uh, the Fifth Circuit. I think the Fifth Circuit will clean it up a little bit and send it back to the uh, trial judge. Basically, you know, either to dismiss all the defendants or to enter judgment uh, on their behalf based on the order from the Fifth Circuit, with the exception of this one private individual. And then they'll, they'll sort of hash that out. But, I mean, you know, it's it's more or less dead, and they're just going to
2: clean it up. See, I, I don't think this, the Fifth Circuit is going to remand any further. They're going to directly say, well, now I have the answer of the state law, and they're going to dismiss all the claims against all the state's officers under their official capacity and leave only one defendant alone. And then that's it. And the the case is basically just dead.
3: Well, I mean, it's dead with the exception of the one private individual. As you noted, uh, there's reason to believe he's going to file an affidavit saying I would never, ever Mm -hmm. file a private citizen action. Uh, That may or may not be the death knell for uh, the claim against him. Um, And, and, you know, but they're going to have to figure out another way.
2: This fight is is basically over, in my opinion. And um, yeah, yeah, and the the plaintiffs, although get sort of protections, a a definite a a positive answer as to, you know, nobody no nobody from the government side can really do bad things on them because they do abortions. That part they know for sure. And they even have a judicial opinion confirming that. And but other than that. SBA as a statute as a state legislation stays as constitutional on its face. And, yeah. and
3: the only I think the only way that the uh, providers are going to get a chance to challenge the Constitution or raise the constitutional issues is when they get sued by someone. And we yeah. know that there are a couple of those actions out there already. I don't know the status of them. They were referenced a little bit by uh, Mark Heron, the counsel for the providers. SMU uh, grad, good for him. <laughs> during, during the oral argument. So there are those actions out there. Those are those are still winding their way through the process. And, and that's, I think, where the fight is over the constitutional claims now.
2: A lot of uh, interactions would happen in state court system right now. And I, I don't know what's gonna, I mean, depending on where you file this lawsuit or where you get sued, the providers' counsel will decide where to uh, to to have this case resolved either in state court forum or uh, somewhere else. But eventually it's going to the Supreme, the Texas Supreme Court or the Fifth Circuit. then you sort of run into the same wall, and both of the the, the courts are conservative and you're gonna get into the same thing again and again.
3: Well, I think also you have to keep in mind that in the next what three plus months we're gonna get Dobbs, the decision in Dobbs mm-hmm. and and how how that's gonna alter or impact the landscape as it relates to SB8. Um, Dobbs, but- is, Dobbs is 15 weeks, if I remember correctly. And so SB8 is six. So there is a window there where uh there will still be argument litigation if if Dobbs is upheld but
2: but is the Mississippi law the dub uh, case do they have a same dynamic as SBA that allows no. private citizen to sue
3: no Dobbs is about whether or not the United States Supreme Court is gonna affirm Roe uh or overturn it that's that's what Dobbs is about and mm-hmm. in all likelihood they're gonna overturn it And so that's going to be beneficial to people arguing on behalf of SB8 and detrimental to Texas abortion providers. Um, But there is sort of because Dobbs concerns a 15 week window and the SB8 is a six week window there still will be some sort of fight in between there and stuff like that. Depending on, depending on how Dobbs is written, we don't know how Dobbs is going to be written, but I think it's pretty much expected that Dobbs will basically undercut and overturn uh, Roe versus Wade. If you're asking whether I think Dobbs is going to be a great decision for women, it's not, I don't think so.
2: Yeah.
3: So, but that's different than sort of, uh what the applicability of Dobbs to a challenge based on uh SBA8 right I mean there, it is possible that the uh that there could be a decision that says no SBA8 is too
2: far Dobbs is okay right So you still have that hope you think they can say that SBA is a different animal. we don't like that.
3: It's, it's not, a ma- I mean, yes, SB8 is a different animal. It's not matter whether I have hope or not. It's a matter of these are different, different approaches uh, and they're factually distinctive. So the decision in Dobbs, while could be very detrimental to women's uh, right to choose, uh, doesn't mean that SB8 is also going to be upheld in its current form.
2: OK, well, that's all for today. Not a lot of positivities from this episode, but at least we got some sort of update on uh, this line of women's rights case, SBA case in Texas. We're going to see what's going to happen on the dubs in a couple of months. Yeah, I, I don't expect that that's going to be a great uh, day either. Yeah.